Thank you so much. It's a great joy to be back with you again. Uh, it's always a blessing to be here. Uh, I don't know how much you might realize if this is your home church, how unique you are. Uh, I do travel around churches, but to retain the sense of family in a big crowd like this and with the lovely kids here and the wonderful contributions that have come, all of them so edifying, fabulous worship, it's wonderful. I, I just commend you and the leadership of this church to be with you. A lot of people say, oh, we've got too big now, we can't be a family, we can't do that, we can't. Lots of people are cutting corners, but you're not. You're opening up to God. You're singing songs about Jesus, which is so wonderful, uh, so thrilling to be led so beautifully, with openness to people coming, sharing what they have. Uh, these things that we've fought for, really, and tragically are kind of slipping away here and there. So to come to a place, a big place, with uh, that sense of family, intimacy, openness to the Spirit, massive joy. And uh, thank you for the invitation. It's a joy. I feel like coming every week. Someone said to me, you can retire to Norwich. I thought that might be a good idea. I was like, I might speak to Wendy about this later. It's a, it's a, what a, what a family. What a family. And uh, I do commend you for it. And in doing that, you know, I want to commend, yeah, the leadership, Toby, Marcus, uh, particularly Goff and Angie. Uh, and I, I tell you, it's a massive privilege to uh, just underline the recommendation. Every Christian should read this. It's not just another book. It is a stunning, stunning book. I really commend it. I have the privilege of writing a few words in it. But it is amazing. I read it. I couldn't put it down. It just captivated me. It's full of Bible truth, which is what we need. It's a truth that sets us free. It's a truth that lines us up. But also full of beautiful personal testimony. And it's, I've said in my introduction, I felt like this. I felt like I've been taken to a great building, magnificent building, and one room after another. Come and look in here. Oh, wow. Now come and look in here. Oh, wow. I just, and, and, and yeah, an emotional roller coaster. I shed a few tears reading it. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. I do commend it. Please, please get it. And you want to pass it on to other friends too. Because it's, it's not only a story. It is lining us up more perfectly with a biblical balance, which I think we easily drift from. We live in a generation that wants it and wants it now. And if I can't have it now, I complain. Or I just throw in the towel. What's the point? And then they carve right through that. Uh, and the Bible's full of, as we've just heard, hope, hope for the future. And uh, that is the, the biblical thing, to so set your hope fully on the grace that's coming to you at the revelation of Christ. That's, that's what, that is our future hope. And that was very central in the focus of these early believers. And it's, we've kind of drifted from that a bit, because I want it now. And uh, now we've got to learn uh, this kind of a lesson. And okay, so it's a joy to underline uh, that recommendation my privilege. Okay, so we're going to look into the Word. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you with all my heart for the joy of being with my dear brothers and sisters here this morning, worshipping you. Lord, right from the outset, we're here for you. Yes, Lord, you know every one of us. You know our circumstances. You know the things that concern us. You know where we are. Thank you, you're a father to every individual. 
It's amazing, Lord, that you take us on your heart. And Father, we ask you in Jesus' name, please, Lord, would you send your mighty spirit, Holy Spirit, come on us now. Just come on us. Be our, be our teacher. Take the things of Christ. Reveal them to us. May we truly benefit from your word this morning. Truly meet with you, Father. We long for it. We're here for you. Lord, when I see your face, I have strength for the day. So, Lord, as we, as we hear your word, feed our souls, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be uh, in the book of Hebrews. And uh, not, not great exposition of a particular passage. There's one verse I'm going to focus on. But Hebrews is written to Christians who come from a Jewish background where things were very substantial. It was a physical temple, a physical priests, physical sacrifices, very comprehensible, very accessible. And now they've entered into a, a spiritual world. Uh, they can't see the priest anymore. Uh, he's in the heavens. And, uh, and they've been persecuted. Uh, and and the, the Jewish people had freedom. Rome gave Jews freedom to worship in their synagogues. They had Roman permission to worship. Christians didn't. Christians were this new, strange thing. And a lot of hostility, a lot of backlash. And so the temptation to think, I don't know, is it really worth it? So the whole epistle really is, come on, let's go for it. Don't go back. That's what keeps on coming. Don't go back. Go forward. Go forward. And it comes to that classic chapter, which perhaps we of all love in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, uh, this crowd of witnesses or cloud of witnesses. And uh, the images, uh, they're, they're all, actually, they're witnessing to us. Uh, we tend to think of this like an arena, like we're running the race and it's like they're witnessing, they're watching us. But in the Bible, the word witness is usually someone who speaks. And it's like they're all speaking to us. We're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. And Hebrews 11 takes one character after another, Abraham and Gideon, all these different names come up. And effectively, they're around the arena and they're shouting, carry on. He's faithful. You can get it. You can do it. You can keep going. Go on. They're all witnessing to us. He's faithful. Trust him. Keep running. Go for it. Go for it. They're bearing witness. And then their little stories are told in Hebrews 11, how they uh, prevail. Ordinary men and women like us who face all kinds of setbacks and challenges and difficulties, but they prevailed. And that's the, the whole story of Hebrews and it, that wonderful chapter. So come on, let's go for it. I guess for many of us, you know, I get around a bit, and we've come out of COVID, which was a weird time, wasn't it? I mean, it was weird, strange. When they locked down a city in China, I thought, you can't lock down a city. And they locked down a city. <laughs> when they locked down England, I thought, wow, this is amazing. We're not even allowed out of our houses. This is so strange. And, and then afterwards, there's a kind of, I don't know, a kind of a tailback, you know, there's a lot of stuff, and it's difficult. And the temptation to think, wow, this is hard. We've just come through a very hard passage. And I'm just going to speak to you about, on one verse really, in Hebrews 6, it says, don't get sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. All right? Don't get sluggish, 
but through faith and patience. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherited. That's the theme for this morning. Don't don't get sluggish. Don't, Don't get weary. Don't slow down. That's what he's saying to them. Don't give up. Don't grow lazy, it says in the NIV. Don't get dull. If we compare it with the Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, it says you've grown dull. It's the same Greek word, dull, sluggish. It would be horrible to be a dull church. I want to come to a church and it's all dull. I don't want that testimony. He's a very dull Christian. I don't want to become dull. I don't want to become sluggish. I don't want to drift. And that's what this verse is about. And that's what the whole of Hebrews is about, really. Don't grow dull. Now, what, what can make us dull? Well, sometimes kind of low vision of expectation. You don't expect much to happen. I was invited to speak to the Anglican ministers in mid-Sussex. I live in Sussex now. And I didn't, I'd never been in such a world before. And there's these um, vicars. And, and, and the bishop looked in at the beginning. And uh, he was kind of a nice, friendly chappy. And he said, uh, well, some of you big churches, remember the little ones. and Because um, don't forget, some people go past. You go past other small churches to get to you. So remember them. I thought, yeah, okay, okay. And then he said, the big churches were the churches of 100 people. And I thought, wow, the kind of, this is weird. The, the low expectation, I mean, it's not like it's only just started. It's not just a church plant. It's like been there forever. And it's like, you know, I thought, wow, expectation can be low. You can get sluggish if, well, don't expect much to happen. You can also, if you've got a theology that's wrong that says we are, we are essentially sinners, we're not saints. And a lot of good, good Christians hold that as a, their bottom line. We are, actually, I'm essentially a sinner. And that's not what the New Testament says. The New Testament says we're essentially saints. We're holy ones. We've been born again. We have a new life. God's done an amazing thing. And some people say, no, 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 essentially we're sinners. And that's not what the New Testament says. But your expectation can get very low. Well, I'm only a sinner, really. And we've been seeing some great stuff. He's broken every chain. He's introduced us to eternal life. We have resurrection life. And so your expectation, if you get wrong theology, your expectation can go down. It can make you sluggish. Well, we're only sinners anyway. That sort of thing can be unhelpful to us. So what are the areas we could get sluggish in? Let me say that. The first one, I think, is kind of mentally. We're not sufficiently fascinated. So you can be kind of busy. Remember Martha? She said, I'm a busy Christian. I'm a busy one. I'm washing away. I'm doing stuff. Can you get Mary? Well, she's sitting listening to you all the time. Come on, there's work to be done. And Jesus said, oh, no, she's chosen the better part. She's fascinated with Jesus. She wants to learn more. She's fa- Are you still fascinated? Intellectually, in your mind, do you want to learn more? It's one of the best bookstores I've been in lately, in that back there. I don't think it's a wasted space. Amazingly selected. When did you last buy a book? When did you do the last thing? I need to look into this. See, we need to be stimulated in our minds. Christianity is not just an emotional thing. We need our minds stimulated. We need to keep thinking more, understanding. Do I understand that? Do I see that? 
And so that our minds are not growing dull. You can grow dull in your mind. That God doesn't want us to be dull in our minds. Just to settle for, well, I don't know. Well, other people know. Let's get to know more. When I, I left secular work, I didn't know what. He was going to ask me an actual question. How long since? I, 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 left, I left my secular work 60 years ago and started going door to door doing evangelism. And I suddenly thought, I don't know anything. I've only been saved a little while. And so I bought myself a systematic theology. Louis Burkhoff, very tiny print, what Peter Lewis calls deep frozen Burkhoff. And I mean, it was hard work, but I thought I could learn some stuff. Now you can get Grudem, which is big print and questions at the end, and very accessible little paragraphs. Uh, have you ever thought about, I, I, why don't I get a systematic theology? It sounds weird, eh? but it's so accessible. It's so, and to know what I believe. What is man? What is the Trinity? What, what is salvation? See, beloved, this is the biggest thing in your life. You're a Christian. It's the biggest thing in your life. And sometimes we don't bother to find out what is it we know? What do we believe? What is, this, what is the whole deal? We, we make do with a little bit of knowledge. And you can get dull. Because we don't know much. And we don't have to be clever. We just keep looking, keep learning more. Jesus took two guys on the Emmaus Road. They're just, the heads are down. You know, Jesus has died. We don't know what to make of it. And I, I'm struck that when Jesus came to them, he didn't think, oh, these guys, are, they, it's time for a resurrection appearance. You know, it's like, Superman. It's like, here I am. I'm alive. He didn't do that. What did he do? These guys are walking the Emmaus Road after Jesus died. Their heads are down. Jesus gave them a Bible study. Starting with Moses and all the scriptures, and their hearts burn within them. Now later, because he's going to go on his way, they said, no, no, don't go, stay. Have supper with us. Then there's a resurrection reverence, a revelation when he breaks bread with them. But his choice was, what do they need most? They need a Bible study. And their hearts burn when they understood more. So beloved, let's not get dull in our thinking, because we can. Don't get dull. Enlarge your capacity to know. There's books there can help you in the Bible. Don't get dull in your minds. Then, then secondly, in our emotion. You know, the Bible talks about you've not seen him, but you believe with unspeakable joy and full of glory. Now, that sounds excessive. That sounds poetic. But it's just describing what it is to be a Christian. Joy unspeakable. They thought these guys are drunk. You know, imagine the first synod the world's ever seen. You know, here comes the church. We've been waiting. The, the Bible, right from Isaiah, has been talking about this day when the church will come. The day of Pentecost. Here's the first presentation of the church on planet Earth. No one's ever seen the church before. Day of Pentecost. I thought of this when they did the Synod in London recently, and uh, all these bishops come in from all over the world, and they parade in, and, and then they go into their huddle, and then they make their statement. You know, I thought, this is the first time the church ever went public, and they thought they're drunk. You know, I thought, if that had happened at the Synod, you know, what is going on? And it's not an enemy that wrote it. It's not like, we'll put this church down. Luke put it in the Bible. 
He's not ashamed of it. He is not ashamed of the fact these people look like they're drunk. They're so joyful. They're so liberated. They're so bold. They're crazy. They're, they're drunk. And then later on, Paul says in Ephesians, don't be filled with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Joy unspeakable. Now, beloved, if we don't know times of great joy, we're going to struggle. There's a guy called John Flavel. He's a favorite Puritan of mine. And he said this, if we don't know times, and he uses this word, times of ecstasy, that's the word he used as a Puritan, if we don't know times of ecstasy, it doesn't mean that we're all the time kind of crazy, but times of ecstasy, if we don't know times, he says our hearts will go in secret search for something else that gives us joy. We'll go on secret search because we need things to excite us. That's the way God's made us. God has made us that it's things external that will give us joy, like Brighton beating Arsenal this afternoon. I mean, (laughs) things happen. They give you excitement. give you excitement. If you don't know Jesus, you will live on Brighton beating Arsenal. (laughs) It's a miracle, eh? But, you see, Flavel is saying a very profound thing. Very profound. If we don't know joy, if we don't know our hearts leaping. See, people think Christianity is keeping a lot of rules and not being allowed to do stuff and believing strange stuff. They have no idea. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you experienced it here this morning? That's why it's so important when we come that we experience him. But we should do this on a daily basis. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, If you knew who was speaking to you, you'd ask him, he'd give you living water. You'd have in you a well of water springing up. You got that? You know, it just springs up. You have moments, seasons, maybe times in the day, each day. But Flavel is saying this, if you don't know that, if you don't know times when you're, whoa, Lord, you're so wonderful. You'll look, go somewhere else. Jeremiah said it in the Old Testament. He said, you've committed two evils. You've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you try to dig out holes that can contain no water. If we don't know emotional excitement in Jesus, we're going to grow dull. Some people have settled for dullness. They've interpreted Christianity as a dull thing, which is not at all biblical. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Otherwise, we'd grow dull gradually. We can get dull by not thinking things very much. We can get dull by not experiencing things very much. And one other area, we can get dull because we don't, we get weak-willed. We don't make good decisions. We drift. Now, legalism is a killer. God's lavish grace we believe in. I believe in grace. I thank God it set me free. It's like getting born again again. It's wonderful to find the grace of God. But we've got to see the difference between legalism, which is a killer, and discipline that gives life. And people get confused. So I'm not under law. Yeah, well, I'm not not under law. I'm under grace. But I choose some disciplines. I choose to make choices. I choose to be disciplined. If we're not disciplined, we can get dull. 
We, we need to make disciplines without getting... See, I don't, do, I don't say, Lord, okay, I've read my whole Bible. You know, I've, read, I've read two chapters this morning. Do I get marks for that, Lord? So we don't read our Bibles to impress God. I'm already hidden in one who's already impressed him. Hallelujah. Jesus is my righteousness. I don't read my Bible to add to my righteousness, to qualify, to justify myself. Look, I'm doing this stuff. I'm praying. I don't do it to impress God. Jesus has impressed God, and I'm hidden in him. Hallelujah. Even if I sleep through my quiet time, I'm righteous. Jesus is my righteousness. I'm free. Hallelujah. But I choose to discipline because I'm going to get dull if I don't. I'll just drift. Don't become dull. That's what it's saying in the scripture. Don't be dull in your disciplines. Have good disciplines. It's important. See, Ed Cole, he wrote this. He said, popular notion is that maturity comes with age. No, he says, you get old with age. <laughs> maturity comes with taking responsibility. I know some young guys and girls who are very mature. They're disciplined. Yeah, it's just, it's, I'm sorry, people say, you're only, you're only young once, but you can stay immature all your life. It comes with making choices. It comes with taking responsibility. That's how we just avoid being mature, uh, being immature. You've got to grow in these things, learn. You can stay immature all your life if you don't take these things on board. So thinking... Emotional fulfillment, not dull emotionally. You know, some of the words of these songs this morning make you want to shout. They're so wonderful. If you, if you didn't feel that as our dear brother led us and just took some of the phrases out and underlined them for us, that is a great serving of you and of us. Underlining it so your heart goes, yes! If we never feel that, hmm, what's wrong? Why don't you feel it? We've got dull in our emotions. So in our intellect, in our emotions, and in our will, we make choices. We make good choices. We make choices about our time. You know, do we watch this television until it's so late? I want to get up. I can't get up in the morning. Ah, oh, I slept so late. I'm, you know, people, beloved, you can lose the best of life. By making silly choices, you have to make good choices. Sometimes people come to you at the end of a meeting and say, would you pray for me? What would you like me to pray? Pray a blessing. A blessing. And I sometimes say, Lord, help them make good choices. Make good choices. It's important. We grow. We don't get dull. So what's the alternative? Well, it sounds like, Terry, if you want to say work hard, well, actually... That's not the next part of the verse. It says, look, you may not be sluggish. You know, it says about the sluggard, the sluggard craves but gets nothing. That was an eye-opener to me when I read that in the Proverbs. The slug I didn't know the sluggard craved. I thought the sluggard didn't care. No, the sluggard craves but gets nothing. As John Piper said, it's not that we don't want to pray, is we don't plan to pray. He says, you know, you're going on holiday this summer, you'll probably plan it. You won't think, oh, I might turn up in Alicante. No, you plan it. It's not that we don't want to pray, we don't plan to. It's making decisions. 
So what's the alternative? Well, he says here, so not, it's not about activity. He says this, that by faith and patience, you inherit the promises. The tragedy of being a sluggard is that you move away from the promises. Right, so we're gonna, the answer is about promises. And the sluggard doesn't get hold of the promises. The promises are crucial to us. That's how you live the Christian life. That's why Hebrews 11 tells you about all these amazing characters. They wouldn't let go of promises. God had given them promises. And when you get sluggish, you think, ah, oh, who cares? I've given up on it. It's not going to happen. And, and that's the worst way. That's the worst way you can get sluggish, to let go of promises that you feel God gave you. You know, many of us have got verses underlined in our Bibles. Some people even put a date next to it. You know, that verse, I know God said it to me. And you put a date in the margin or they underline it. That's my verse. That's my verse. I remember once when I first was in, I was in London and we went to a charismatic church. It was a wonderful privilege to be there. So full of the presence of God. And it was on my birthday. And on my birthday, someone had given me a birthday card. And in it, he had written one of my favorite verses, which he wouldn't know, but it meant a lot to me. And, and I thought, wow, on my birthday. My, whoa, that's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I had a tear-off calendar. And I tore off the next page. And there's another two of my favorite verses on my birthday. Verses that meant a lot to me. Promises I felt God gave me. I thought, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you so much. You've got promises like that? Now, for me, I've never been in a church like this before. I came from a good Baptist church. But I'm in this church that's full of the Spirit. And it was packed. Crowded, not enough chairs for the bodies. And it wasn't a huge church, but it was crowded. And I'm just walking, because somebody gave me the communion. It's halfway through the worship. Someone gave me the communion plate with the bread on it. And there's this guy sitting here, and I step over him, and I'm just giving the plate to the next person. And the guy sitting here starts prophesying. And he doesn't know I'm standing here. And, I, and he prophesied, and he quoted both of the verses. You know, you kind of, oh, your hair stands on end. You feel, wow, God is in this place. Because you've got verses, haven't you? You've got things that God has said to you. That's what the faith is all around, beloved. God said stuff to you. That, that's, we're believers. We believe God. God promises. I mean, the Bible's full of promises. And we've got promises. It says about Abraham, the man with the promises. How rich can you get? There's the man with the promises. For Abraham, it was the, it was the promises of world breakthrough of the gospel. The man with the promises. How rich can you be? You've got promises. You've got promises? You've got verses you've underlined? Things that, oh, yes, I'm going to believe for that. You've got the promises. Now, the dangerous thing about becoming sluggish is you let go of the promises. That's terrible. Then you've lost your joy, you've lost your purpose, you've lost what God promised you. The slugger lets go of the promises. Don't do that. And that's what this verse is about. That you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. That's why these characters are in the Bible. They inherited what God promised them they would get. They proved God faithful. They made it work. They didn't let go of the promises. They were to be imitators. The promise makes you rich. 
And the promises, beloved, they're, they're kind of intimately about your relationship with God. God said to me, God made that verse come alive. I was reading my Bible, and this verse, it just came alive to me. You know what I'm talking about. If you're a believer, you know what I'm talking about. Wow, I know God's promised me this. Now, there are general promises for all of us if we can't identify with what I'm saying. The Bible says that through the very great and precious promises, we escape the corruption that's in the world. We become partakers of the divine nature through the promises. That's how we grow in grace. That's how we become more sanctified. That's how we get free. You have broken every chain we sang. Some of us think, well, I wish you broke that chain. Hey, through the very great and precious promises, we escape the corruption that's in the world. It's through the promises. God promised I'd be free. You don't throw away that promise. You hold on to that promise. That's a general promise to every believer. We partake of divine nature. Me, yeah, divine nature in the promises. The promises are powerful. They're full of power. And we don't want to let go of those. Well, because our Christian life will then be just, well, turning up. We've lost the spark. We've lost the thing that makes you in your special relationship with God. He promised you this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I've got promises. We have promises from him. So it's not about rushing to action. It's about make sure you're living with the promises, inheriting what's promised. And it says, now, become imitators. That's the work through the verse. Don't be sluggish but become imitators. Imitate. You know, we, we tend to think, oh, it's not real, it's imitation. So imitate has a kind of, not a very strong word in our thinking. It's just an imitation. But in the New Testament, in the Bible, the word imitate is never used negatively. It's never used negatively. It's not, oh, it's imitation. No, it's always positive. And it's always in the present tense. Always. So imitation, Paul says, imitate me. Be it's, it's good to imitate. These days you don't hear so much. I'm old enough to remember Mike Yarwood and these guys who used to be on television. And that, you think, how on earth does he do that? I mean, it sounds like him, even looks like him. He's got his mannerisms. How do people do that? These guys who are professional imitators. Well, what do they do? They must look so carefully. They must listen so carefully. And I think, wow, that could be him. I saw a thing online the other day of, of, of George W. Bush and a guy imitating him, standing next to him. They were doing a speech together. It was hysterical. It was always difficult. Like, who, who is the real guy? He must have watched so carefully. And Paul, so the, the writer of the Hebrews was saying, look, don't be sluggish. Don't be, ah, oh, let it do. Don't do that, beloved. Your life's far too important. You're a child of God. You count. That's how it doesn't matter. No, it does. You've got a life. You're going to live with four God. You're going to face God one day. Don't become sluggish about it. Don't become dull. Who wants a dull Christian? So how do we do it? Well, we imitate. Imitate. What does that mean? You look very carefully. Think, wow, he's just like... These guys who are good at it, just like, how do they do that? Well, they work carefully. People who, it says, through faith and patience. Now, we tend to think of faith as name it and claim it. By faith, I take it. 
By faith, it's mine. Oh, that's okay. But faith and patience go often together in the Bible. It's very often faith and waiting for it. Faith and believing for it, though there's delay. They're often together. It's not only, I take it now, like the woman with the issue of blood, she touched Jesus and she was immediately healed. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. But we know that faith is wonderful, immediate, wonderful, yeah. But there's also faith and patience. Faith and patience. You, you keep believing, though it hasn't happened yet. And the book of Hebrews, this Hebrews chapter 11, it's just got one after another, after another, after another. Abraham, Sarah, Moses, every one of them had faith and clung to it through delay. Isn't that true? And that's why he says, listen to these witnesses. They're bearing witness to you. He's faithful. He's faithful. So imitate those who through faith and patience inherited. I love the story of Joseph. I mean, Joseph is an incredible story. He's a favored son. He gets the special clothes. His brothers hate him. He gets sold. He gets sold down to Egypt as a slave. And uh, you, know, you know the story. When he's, when he's there, and he's put in prison because the guy's, his master's wife lies, tried to rape me. He's in prison. Wow. I mean, life's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. It's like God said to him, your brothers will bow down to you. You've got kind of a royalty about you. You're, you're very special. God gave him this revelation. God spoke. He had a promise. You will have a position of power. Your brothers will bow to you. I've got a word, a promise. I've got a promise. I've got a promise, and now I'm in Egypt. I'm a slave. What, what about this promise? I'm a slave. And then the guy, she lies. Now I'm in prison. I mean, what about this promise? They all speak a different language. There's another world. I'm in another world. I mean, the promise is miles away. You know, forget the promise. Have you ever been in that? Forget the promise. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. He's in, he's in prison. And I love what happens next. Two prisoners are put in with Joseph. And they say to him, we've had a dream. I think if I was Joseph, I'd say, I used to have dreams. Forget dreams. It's because I dream. I'm in this jolly prison. Now forget your dreams. No, no, he doesn't. Joseph says this, tell me your dream. I think, well done, Joseph. He still believes. Tell me your dream. There's no cynicism. He's, he's not given up. You still believing, beloved? What were you clinging for? What were you believing for? Don't give up your promises. Be faithful. Trust him. Believe God. See, it's not work harder. That isn't, it's not don't be sluggish, work harder. That's not what the verse says. It says don't be sluggish, hold on to the promises. Hold on to the promises. God has made you promises. You will bear fruit. You didn't choose him, he chose you. But you go and be fruitful. That's a general promise. But there are specific promises. And Joseph said, tell me your dream. You know, for Joseph, he's as far away from this thing it looks like it ever happened. And actually, it's going to take one more dream. Pharaoh's going to have a dream. 
And every step looks like it's further and further and further away. Oh, the promise. One more dream. Boom, he's in it. He come, he's now going to lead Egypt. His brothers come and bow down. Wow, the word of God, which cannot be broken, is fulfilled. I love the story of Caleb. And 40 years walking around. Give me this mountain. I said, what a character. He's still believing it 40 years later. He's still believing. God promised. God promised. That's what God wants of us, that we hold on to the promises. It says of Abraham. I love what it says in Romans 4 about Abraham. He grew strong in faith. No, it's delay, delay, delay. There's a 13-year gap. He promised me a son. He promised me, he promised me. It says, Abraham grew strong in faith, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he's also able to perform. Amen? So it's not, oh, Abraham, it was delays. He grew weak in faith. I mean, you can't keep this believing thing going. No, no, he grew strong in faith, giving praise and glory to God, fully persuaded what God had promised He's able to perform. Keep your eyes on God, on his faithfulness, who he is, what he said. Lord, you said it. You said it. And sometimes in prayer, like Moses, when the Israel are backslidden and and God says to Moses, this people who you brought out. Moses says, no, this people who you brought out. Argues with God. You promised. And I love that verse. It says at one point, God says to Moses, let me alone. Imagine that. Almighty God is saying to this guy, get off my back. I'm going to judge them. Moses says, no, you said, you said. What will the nations say? What about your glory? He prevails. Oh, beloved, the privileges that are ours to draw near to God, to see him unlock promises. Beloved, the world is waiting, not for a church that keeps on culture changing. And Okay, you want to believe that? Then we'll believe that. No, no, church that's in fellowship with God. Like Elijah stood before Ahab and said, the God before whom I stand. I I represent God. We are people who represent God. We don't keep changing with the culture. We don't keep accommodating. But that has to come from a believing heart. Faith. We hold on to promises. We hold on to promises. Wendy and I have just been to uh, the Netherlands it was so thrilling to meet with guys. You know Walter, some of you know Walter, who was in a relational mission. What a man of faith. You know, he just said, we're going to go. They didn't have enough money. They held on. They're breaking through. It was, it's just so a privilege to sit and talk to these people. Because they just say, no, we're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. We're going to keep pressing on. Abraham grew strong in faith. Faith and patience. James says this, the testing of your faith produces endurance. The endurance have its perfect result, that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. So, beloved, let's not be sluggish. Let's not grow dull. Let's be alert. Let's be alive. Let's cling to the promises. I know I can be sluggish about promises. When I was leading the church in Brighton some years back, and 
we also got hold of an old building <laughs> and had to turn it around, great big warehouse. And we're looking for money. And we had three gift days a year. And we did it for a few years to write off this thing. And we used to have a, a spring one, a summer one, a winter one, these three offerings. And we're going for 100,000 each time, which is a real faith thing. Because if there was a rich man in the church, I never met him. So we need to see God work. So we prayed and we got the spring, 100,000. Yeah, I got it. And then the summer one, pray, pray, pray. Get it. Ah, 100,000, pray. We come to the autumn one. And we're going for 100,000. Yeah, 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 85,000. Okay, well, praise God then. Anyway, thank you so much, brothers and sisters. You raised 100,000 then. You raised 100,000 now. And, well, we got, we got 85,000 this time. Well done, well done. And I felt God whispered in my heart, oh, that was all right, was it? I mean, it was as simple as that. Oh, was that all right then? I thought you wanted 100,000. I mean, it was like, huh? Oh, I, th I thought you were, you're, is it okay? You asked me for 100, you got 85. You okay? And I, wow, wake up, Terry. I was getting sluggish about the promise. <laughs> I was content with 85. It's wonderful. No, and we prayed again and got the 100. Because I was going to put up with it and try and make it look good. And God said, oh, I thought you were after 100. Well, don't be sluggish, Terry. Wake up. Wake up. Don't grow dull. Let's have that attitude of Caleb. Sometimes you have to wait. But Lord, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. He not only did it, his daughter, I love it, his daughter, he reproduced faith in that next generation. Give me the upper springs and lower springs. Where did she learn that? She's in a believing community, a believing household. Kids will learn. Mum and Dad believe for that. They have stories to tell. How, we, how, we, how did you get that house? But well, we kept on believing for it. How did you get through that? We believe for it. We, it's in our lives, beloved. It's in, in your life and my life and our families and things we need to see God do something. We believe in God. God will break into our lives. Don't throw away your confidence. Let's come out. We've been through a tough patch. Let's press on. These, these Hebrews guys, they were in danger of slipping back. But all these, these heroes of Hebrews 11, they're saying, go on, come on. He's faithful. They're all bearing witness to us. Let's trust. Let's imitate. Let's say, wow, Joseph kept on believing. Abraham kept on believing. Now let's imitate them. That we might get the thing God wants to give us for his great glory. Amen? Let's just pray and perhaps the band would like to come up. Father, I pray for your dear children here. For each one of us, Lord, you know our lives. You know the promises. Lord, how many promises are in this room? How many things have you said to people? How rich is this congregation with words that you've spoken, promises you've made? Lord God, you know, you know. And Lord, we, we know sometimes we're tested, sometimes... We tried. And Father, I ask you, don't let us get sluggish. Let's determine 
to believe you, to grow strong in faith, giving praise and glory to God, fully persuaded that what God has promised is able to perform. Thank you. Don't make promises you can't fulfill. We pray, help us to inherit. Help us to inherit, to be a people who inherit. We might see your presence again and again. Lord, through the various sites that we represent here, let's let this church, this company of believers, keep growing. Let the gospel of the Lord Jesus be known and enjoyed. Let many be rescued. Let many be able to sing, he's broken my chains. Lord, let your truth prevail. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.